I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Business. Today, we're going to talk about negative workplace environments and how to overcome them. And I'm sure we'll get into some personal stories, maybe. And, you know, I'm excited to talk about this, though, because there's plenty to talk about. But here with me again is Let's Talent Client Relations Manager, Steve Gunther. Steve, how have you been? Been good, Jack. Thanks. Yeah, been excited, a, excited to do this again with you. Yeah, this is yeah. A, this is always. I feel like we always have some some quality conversations. So yeah, um, how's the workplace been? Positive. It's been positive. Yeah, <laughs> the Let's Talent team is the funnest team in Lutz. I think. Yeah, right? I don't know. Or the Tech's, loudest. I don't know if that makes us the funnest. But, I'll bet yeah. Tech could give you a run for your money. Yeah, that's probably true. We've point. got Uncle Gary's Grill and Bar. Have you been seeing that Mendick goes out and cooks burgers and broths? I have. Yeah, so he's been. We'll have to invite you guys because I know that I think he he invited LFS. Good. And so he he caught some grief today because he was going to call it off because it was the weekend or the holiday weekend, and everyone said no. Heck no. I think we want some burgers and brats. That's right. Well, cool. So a negative work environment. My first thing is get out of it. Leave that negative. But I think it's a little bit more nuanced than that, right? So what in your mind? makes up a negative work environment. How do you distinguish between an environment that's negative or a negative person? It's a great question. I think, you know, coming at it from a candidate standpoint, you know, and let's tell we interview a ton of candidates every day, every week. And probably the biggest reason candidates are looking to make a change, you know, you, you sometimes think of, hey, we want more money or we're not happy with the type of work we're doing. And those things come into play, obviously. Right. But the majority of time, it comes because the environment they're in is either negative or, or, you know, it's just not engaging and it's dull, et cetera. So there's a lot of people that make job changes because they're looking for something better to show up to work each day. And, you know, when you think about it, how much of our life do we spend at work versus everything else? So, you know, not to cut to the chase, but gosh, if it's, if you're in a situation that's that negative and you're that unhappy why do you want to why do you want to spend that much of your time there absolutely yeah no i mean i mean i'm in complete agreement on that i know it's sometimes it's easier said than done but if you can go through the exercise of finding a new opportunity while you're still you know giving it your all at your current job why why wouldn't you that's one thing i've never really i've never really understood the idea of staying put with something that is really negative right that you show up and have anxiety now let's be, i mean let's be honest about anxiety though i think i think every workplace has a certain level of anxiety if you don't have an anxiety then you're probably not responsible for much exactly right yep. so i think yep. overwhelming anxiety <clears throat> is sometimes natural but th- then there's the other just kind of a oh i, I don't know just kind of a not to use negative too uh, too frequently but just a different anxiety of I don't want to go to work today. Right. Right. I mean, that's one that I think is always, if you wake up and it's like, gosh, I don't think that this is, this is for me, then it's not, 
yep. make change, right? There's a lot of jobs out there. Yep. You know, and I think the thing I would encourage people to do, if you feel like you're in a negative, negative environment is, you know, have you tried to do something about it? And, and there's a lot of different things you could think about here. Is that negativity, you know, is it driven from your supervisor? Sure. Is it from your boss? Mm-hmm. Is it from colleagues, coworkers? Or is it just the company itself that isn't a positive, engaging company? And, you know, I would start with your supervisor or your boss. If that negativity and you feeling unhappy is really being driven from who you report to, what have you done to try to change that? You know what I mean? Again, we meet candidates that I'll ask them that question. And, you know, some some have been proactive and have had the conversation and nothing's changed. So then, you know, maybe it's time to, to take a look at doing something different. But many have not had that conversation. It's hard to do. Yeah. They're intimidated. They're afraid of the consequences that might come back at them. And so I think ultimately you have to decide, are you going to stay in that negative, negative environment and just be unhappy? Or are you going to take the risk to, you know, if it is your supervisor to have that conversation and try to improve it? Right. Um, Because, yeah. I was just saying, I think that's a great point because you've got to give them a chance at least to try and fix it, right? If you don't, then it's, you may always forever wonder what could have been, right? If I hadn't said anything, I just jumped to the conclusion that it's, it's negative and it's not going to change. But who knows if it is a colleague or, you know, someone horizontal and you say something about it, it could get fixed. Yep. Right. And then let's say it gets fixed and it becomes an amazing experience. I mean... It's hard to, not hard to come by really good work experiences, but if you find one that works, it's, you just try and make it work, yeah. right? Yeah. And if it's, if it's not your boss, you know, if it's your coworkers that if you just work with a group of people that are just naturally Debbie Downers and negative, mm-hmm. you know, the challenge there is, can you try to be the positive one in the group without... Right risking the relationship you have with them because mm-hmm. I think we all have those times where you get together with your coworker or colleague and you know you just like to you know maybe complain a little bit about things that aren't going quite right Absolutely. but if it's constant you know is there something that you can do to to help your coworkers kind of think more positive because if you love your job but you're just surrounded by a negative bunch of people you know try to be that person that can slowly but surely kind of turn that you know that attitude around a little bit so that's another thing we hear a lot and then probably the other big thing we hear anymore that causes someone to feel negative about their job is is work-life balance and it's one of my favorite things I like to talk about with candidates because work-life balance Jack might be totally different for you than what it is for me Completely different perspective yes. from one person to the next. Yeah, so yeah. it's that buzzword out there mm-hmm. that I need a better work-life balance. And so... Everyone thinks it means just I want to work less, but that's not true. You're exactly right. Yeah, it could mean, it could mean, hey, I'll work 50 hours a week, but I just, when I, when I need time off, I want to feel comfortable to take time off. If I have a kid's appointment, it's okay to do it, you know. Right. So work-life balance or the lack of it, can can cause somebody to feel pretty, you know, unhappy in their job. And 
there again, have they had a conversation with somebody that can make a difference about how they're feeling? Right. Too many times it's it's small things that people want that they, they're just too afraid to go ask about it. So, well, that I think that's again, like I, I you know, it is a tough conversation, whether it is asking about having more work-life balance or confronting kind of a negative group of individuals in the workplace. It's all of those uh, require a certain level of confrontation. Yep. Right? And confrontation is yep. not an easy thing. I think it's the sooner you can get over, you know, that initial anxiety of a confrontation and get it out sooner than later. Cause if you stew on it, then it could come out wrong. You yep. could blow up and then it's all of a sudden you're the negative person in the environment. But I feel like more often than not, if you give people a chance to maybe change their behavior a little bit or or you get a different perspective from a superior, more often than not, people are willing to make that change or want you want to adjust how they are because who knows, maybe they've just been surrounded by negative people for too long exactly. and just fallen you know, victim to it. Yeah. One quote I wrote down that I, I love and it, it kind of pertains to you know, negative people just in general. And it's stay away from negative people. They have a problem for every solution. Yeah. And have we all worked with people like Absolutely. that, right? Yeah. Where, you know, if, if they bring up something that's negative and, and you try to problem solve it, but nothing you say or do or suggest is good enough. Absolutely. I, I love that saying because if, if that's the kind of person or people you're hanging around with at work, maybe find a different crowd to hang around with, right? Well, that I think that's big. I think that people get comfortable with their work friends or who they're surrounded by at work, and then they don't want to... That friendship becomes more important than their job. And say, like, well, wait a minute, let's not forget what we're here to... We're here to make money so we can, you know, enjoy our life and, and you know, obviously serve a bigger purpose and hopefully sure. that, you know, aligns with your organization's purpose. But if you're more concerned about what your work friends are thinking about you, then you... I mean, maybe your priorities are a little off in terms sure. of your job. Yep. And it gets difficult because yeah. you don't want to be that one that, quote, doesn't go along with the crowd, right. you know, when they're Absolutely. in the corner complaining about <clears throat> things going on. But I think, you know... I think if you do it the right way, people can have a pretty strong influence on maybe helping turn that around a little bit for well, the better. And I think just along the lines of your quote, to be more solution-oriented, you can kind of help change kind of the conversation a little bit. Exactly. Right? More often than not, again, I think it's typically one or two people in the group that are the ones that are constantly having a problem with everything. And if you can kind of change the general conversation, I think... You'll maybe get better results. Exactly. Exactly. Right. One of the things that I was thinking about as, as we were going to do this, have this conversation is, gosh, I've been in the workforce and the professional workforce for over 30 years. And I think back to the way it used to be sure. compared to the way it is now. And I would say 20, 30 years ago, generally, the environments probably were a little more negative. Managers were a little more direct and and there wasn't this overwhelming, you know, genuine concern about how people feel where right. they work, you know. And now I feel like companies spent a lot of time and spent a lot of money to make sure that they have a good culture mm -hmm. and that, you know, that their, their people are motivated and, you know, for the most part, happy to be at work. Right. And so, gosh, I, I would tell you anymore, if, if you're not in that type of environment or 
you don't feel like you can help change that where you're at, Mm -hmm. that's when it's probably time to make a change. Because I, I really believe there's enough companies and organizations out there where you can find a work environment that's going to be a a better place to be than maybe what you're in right now. Well, and I think, you know, everyone, again, going back to the point of work is work. And and yeah, people will say I show up every day and love what I do. And that's great. And good for you if if that's if that's very if that's true, 365 or how, you know, 300, however many days of the year that you're working good for you but you're there's always going to be days where you show up and it's like gosh i don't feel like making these calls today i don't feel like reaching out to these people today but it's i feel like you gotta kind of game yourself a little bit and say no you know what this is this is the same as that day at the gym that i hated yeah and i'm just gonna do it because i need to do it because i'm getting paid to do it and then hopefully there's some other things like maybe mendix out cooking lunch one thursday and it changes my day completely right and that culture can you know i don't think it's it's always one thing or the other. It's not, it always has to be a great culture or always a great business function or whatever it is. It's hopefully a combination of those things, right? Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think the other thing, you know, when if you feel like you're in this negative work environment and you feel like you're at a dead end and you're not going to be able to make a change, before you just jump out there and start applying for other jobs or considering making a change, <clears throat> you know, sit down and figure out what it is from a culture and work environment standpoint that you're looking for. I mean, if you're not happy in the one you're in now, you know, it's pretty easy to figure out what you don't want, right? Right. And, you know, write that down. But then maybe on the next piece of paper, you write down what you're looking for. Or Or what you've enjoyed, maybe, if anything. Absolutely. Because I think too many times we see people that jump from maybe one Mm -hmm. bad work environment or negative situation and then they're right back to another one. And and that gets really tough because then then you start worrying about, you know, my resume doesn't look good. I look like a job sure. hopper. And so one of the exercises we do with candidates we meet is we talk a lot about culture. And every candidate you meet will say, I want to work with a company that has a good culture. Mm-hmm. My follow-up question is define a good culture. Yeah, what does that mean? Define what right. that means yeah. to you. And Jack, you'd be surprised how many people kind of, they don't know what to tell you, you know, they, they, because maybe they haven't been part of a good culture and you kind of have to coach them through that and, and help guide them. But I think before you go out there and really start looking to make a change, you you have to figure that out, what that looks like for you. Well, that's a good, that's a good point too. I mean, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Maybe they just haven't ever had an example of what that could be. Right. And, and that kind of, that's tough to, to, to push back against because maybe you do have the anxiety of being a job hopper. I had that a little bit when I was out in Denver, I worked, you know, had a job for a better part of a year and then switched jobs. And as I was switching jobs, I said to myself, all right, this next job, I'm going to do this one for at least a while. So it looks solid on my resume. And then a jo- opportunity opened up at Lutz. And so it was more of a opportunity opened up instead of a job change. Sure. But even then I said, okay, now I'm really going to put my head down and I've even changed functions within Lutz. Right. Right. But, it, but within, within Lutz is, you know, I don't have that same anxiety, of course, but it's been, it's, I was very fortunate the company before this had a really positive culture, real cool, fun, young kind sure. of go out and have, you know, go to Rockies games on Fridays and right. things like that. And, and, but to your point, it doesn't look the same in every organization. 
right? right? I mean, I think the friendships that I have around here are really unique about this place, as well as some of the passionate people you're surrounded by here is really unique, too. Yeah, it rubs off. It's contagious. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you're in an, in an environment with a bunch of negative people, no matter how hard you try, eventually you're going to become negative, right? Mm -hmm. And it's the other way around, too. If you work around a bunch of people that are engaged and motivated and generally happy with what they're doing, that's going to rub off mm -hmm. as well. What, what's something that, you know, from the perspective of a supervisor or manager or business owner perspective, what are some things they can do to, I guess, help? you know, avoid that negativity in the, in the workforce or, you know, just breed positivity? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that first and foremost, as a leader, you're busy. You have so much on your plate, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes leaders don't like kind of see the trees through the forest, meaning they don't look for signs where, sure. where their team or their organization is is maybe become a not so good place to work. Mm -hmm. And so different things you can look for, you know, if you if you all of a sudden have people that are less engaged or maybe they're calling off sick a lot and they've never they've never done that before. Maybe they're the turnover all of a sudden starts to click up. You know, maybe there's things like where my favorite is when you see a handful of people, you know, around the water cooler, so to speak, kind of whispering and then when they see you walk up as a sure. leader, it just automatically disperses, right. you know. I think sometimes leaders make mistakes when they see that but they don't they don't get involved. They right. don't figure out well, what's going on here. Why is this why is this happening? You know what I mean? Another quote I like that I wrote down. Promise this is the last quote. No, keep I, I think quotes are yeah, awesome. Yeah. Man. This one's a, another good one I like is leaders who don't listen will eventually be surrounded by people have, who have nothing to say. Yeah. I've seen that happen. Sure. You know, where people on the team are very engaged and all of a sudden the leader just continually shuts them down. Not a good idea. Good idea, but we can't do that. Guess what? They they just stop. Mm -hmm. They stop contributing. Mm -hmm. And eventually that's going to affect not only their performance, but the team's performance in a negative way. So I think it's important for the leaders to first recognize that there is sure. a problem. And then this may sound simple, but you just got to ask. Well, that, You so got to ask your team. That's I mean, my question. How do you open up a, a, a comfortable enough environment for people to, to speak and communicate freely? Yeah. I mean, that's... Again, another thing that I feel very fortunate about working at Lutz for is, I mean, we have a very freely, you know, free to communicate environment, yeah. which is pretty unique. How do you get people to break out of that shell? Because I've seen people even come to work here that came from other environments where they couldn't do that. And it right. takes a while. It does. It does. It takes a while to feel comfortable to yeah. sit down and have that conversation. You know, I, I won't tell you the company, but something that was kind of unique. So before I got into, you know, the search and staffing world, I spent 30 years in retail management mm -hmm. for two companies, two different companies. And one of the companies, the one I worked for before I left retail management, it was a requirement once a month for the store manager. We put up a sign-up sheet. Sure. And these stores had anywhere from 120 to 150 employees, right? Mm -hmm. And it was 10 people that could sign up on that sheet for a monthly roundtable with the store manager. And there was no agenda. There was no topics. It was literally their opportunity to tell you 
what they liked about what was going on, what they didn't like, sure. you know, maybe problem solved with them. And then you were, were required as a store manager to really kind of address any issues they brought up if they were simple things, but if they were bigger things to kind of get involved in and put together an action plan. Sure. And that would be discussed at the next monthly meeting. So right. as a leader, it held you accountable. And, and you know, those meetings could be good or bad. As a leader, they could be painful once in a while because you you may think things are great and everybody feels really good. And all of a sudden you have one of those meetings and, you know, all of a sudden things aren't so good. And right. it's easier to speak up and maybe let people know how you feel when you're with some peers right. versus one-on-one, -on -one, right? right? Yeah. And so I think the purpose of the meetings, having 10 people, was just that, that people would maybe feel a little bit more comfortable speaking up than mm -hmm. if they were just having a one-on-one. -on -one. But again, it sounds so simple, Jack, but you got to ask people, mm -hmm. you know, and I think as a leader, if you're genuine and you truly ask people, and I'm not just talking about at evaluation time. Right. Hey, how things are going? Yeah. You know, and then one year later, you'll ask the same question. I mean, if you see something with one of your employees that just is off, you got to get involved and ask them what's going on. Sure. You know, it may not even be work related. It may right. be something else that's, you know, causing them to be unhappy. But yeah, I think it sounds simple. But I think that's what you got to do well, as a leader. I think you bring up a, another interesting topic, which is asking or, or discussing things that aren't necessarily work related, right? I mean, that's, and I say, I think I've said this every podcast that we've done, but inevitably things get back to this idea that, you know, anymore work and, you know, work and, and your personal life being separate is not really a real thing. Right. I mean, you inevitably are going to have to work a little bit over time. Sure. Um, you, sometimes you'll be asked of that. You'll probably talk about work when you're getting drinks with friends at some point. Yep. Right. There's some work in your personal life. But then also you're going to have to leave work a little early sometimes to take care of some of your personal stuff. And exactly. I also want to be able to confide, confide in people I work with about personal things I'm going through. And it's and so I think it's it's. Uh, Similar to identification of issues or when you see people that are maybe having a tough time or seem distracted, distracted employees don't produce as much, right? So I think it's important to step in and I think then you kind of breed a little bit of a, a bit more trust Absolutely. when you step in and act and tell them that you care about their personal life. And then hopefully they're more willing to communicate freely next time they have an issue. Jack, that was so well said. The trust word is huge. Yeah. yeah if you're if you're a leader that's, you know, taking the initiative to do that, recognizing a behavior that's different than what it normally is and, and truly sitting down and trying to understand what's going on with that person. You hit the nail on the head. It, it's gonna, it's gonna build that relationship and that trust. And yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's key. You know, there's, there's a lot of companies out there that spend a lot of time doing just this. You know, mm -hmm. employee engagement and measuring it, mm -hmm. and all that's good, and I think it's needed. But again. It goes for nothing if you have a leader that doesn't get involved and really care yeah. about their team. Right? Well, and I think it's tough too. You know, there's you brought up evaluation time or formal feedback yep. times throughout the year, and of course, I think those have their their role, their function. But then, just kind of a general openness of communication is it's it's such a difficult thing I think to create. Right. You know, without just naturally doing it, 
right? And so it's it's you also have to have people in positions of leadership that are willing to bring up the difficult conversations. Yep. I mean, it's difficult to confront your supervisor or, or leadership about things that are bugging you. It's also, let's not forget, those leaders have a tough time sometimes discussing difficult topics with, you know, subordinates as well. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's yep. a that's one thing I think it's important to keep in mind is, and I think it was Booch and I that talked about mentorship or feedback, or I think it was maybe feedback and, and could have been a similar conversation we had, but I think that's an important one to keep in mind too. Is it's, that's another human over there, right? Just because they're a leader that's good, you know, charismatic and productive and doesn't mean they don't struggle with that too. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up mentorship. You know, we have that program here at Lutz and that's another good way to kind of, if you're just not feeling so great about how things are going, have that person that you can go to and talk to that's not your direct supervisor right. and, and really understand, you know, is, is this a legitimate concern? And if so, how do I handle it? How should I approach it? Mm-hmm. Because that's probably another person that, you know, would be leading right. possibly others as well. So they right. might have experience. So yeah, it's a, gosh, if you don't have a mentorship program in right. your organization, it might be a good thing to, to look into. Well, I think that's a, a another topic that's interesting too. And this goes along the lines of honest communication and, 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 you know, transparency, but you know, I, inevitably you'll find mentors and mentees that maybe aren't the best match. Right. Right. And that's a difficult thing to address sure. as well, especially for either the mentee or the mentor to try and address and say, maybe we maybe we don't work out together. And I'm, I'm just trying to think, I don't know if the solution is only have really amazing mentors or have a channel of communication that is so open and free that you're going to help people not feel like they're hurting anyone's feelings. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's a tough. Yeah. I don't know how you avoid that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't either. I think just the more open you are. It's a two-way street, right? Right. You know, to your point, sometimes leaders have to make decisions that aren't popular and and may cause employees to not feel so great about it. But it's a two-way street that they got to handle that in the right way and, and explain why they're making the decision they're making. But employees own a little bit of their happiness too, right? I agree. Because if they just sit back and let it happen, nothing's going to change, right? Totally. No, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think that's a, I think that's a really big point is that you've got to understand your role in your happiness. I mean, it's not just the company's job to take care of you. You've got a, you've got a part of the contract to fulfill too. Yep. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I think it was, was it last week that we discussed how, oh yeah, it was with Robbie, professionalism. We talked about how you and your, the company you work for or your job, it's like a relationship, right? I mean, you've got to be willing to put in as much as you need to understand how much you need to take away from it, right? You got to be very, very intentional about that too. Right. And right. That's, a, that's an interesting, I think another good way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, and not to promote what's talent here, but I guess I will. Do it. Um, Let's do it. You know, again, you got to have somebody, if you are thinking about making a change, you brought up the word trust. Mm -hmm. You know, there's there's a bunch of search firms out there that do things the right way. And then there's some that don't. There's some that are just uh, in it to, you know, 
make a placement and collect a fee. So, right. you know, if you are if you are going to consider making a change, do your homework on who you might reach out to as far as a firm and ask the right questions. You know, I really feel like our team does a great job of getting to know the candidate and what they're looking for and what kind of environment they're going to look for. That's a better environment than they're in now right. before we ever talk to them about a role that we're working well, on. Well, so that's that's funny you bring you bring that part up because I think that's a really important aspect is try and understand the value that someone's going to bring you before you even talk about compensation or yep. job or fit, right? Yep. If if I have a conversation with Steve Gunther about, you know, just asking for advice and I feel like you're truly, you know, involved and want to, you know, make sure I find something that, that works for me and we haven't even talked about a job yet, then absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell candidates are blown away by that because mm-hmm. I think naturally they, they just want to hear, well, I, I want to talk about this job. What that jobs do you have? Oh, but, yeah, right. And sometimes you get to the end of the conversation with them and they say, well, what about that job I applied for? And you have to be honest and say, you're not a fit. Right. And you're not a fit, not because you're not experienced. It's it's not the culture you're looking for. It's not the supervisor you're looking for. It's not the kind of culture you're looking right. for. And, right. you know, it does no good to it put takes, somebody right back into a bad situation. Well, yeah. no, I'm just saying that takes a lot of work on your guys' end to not. And uh, people may be listening to this say, duh, they better know the place that they're, you know, they have as far as roles go. But sure. it does take a lot of work on your end to really understand the companies of and roles that you guys have posted. Yep. And then also understand the applicant and figure out that match. Yeah. And we were huge on whenever we have a a hiring manager call into us and they want to engage with us to help them hire somebody, we go out and meet with that hiring manager. And the pandemic really, you know, caused that to go away. And just this morning, we were able to go out and meet with the hiring manager, three of us on our team. In person. You know, sit down with the hiring manager, get a tour of their facility, learn about their culture and environment. And that's so valuable because oh, yeah. then when we come back to talk to candidates, we can discuss it. So you firsthand. had three people out there from, yeah. from Less Talent. Yeah, that's all. I mean, I yep. think the more people you have from your group going out there, the better feel and better kind of Absolutely. response you get. And you guys can convene back here and say, this is how, right? I mean, yep. that's. yeah. Yeah. And let's face it, our our clients and, you know, hopefully we're staying on topic, but our clients, they pay us a good fee to find them the right person. And part of finding them the right person is somebody that's going to be happy there and motivated there Mm -hmm. and and not feel like they're in in a negative work environment. And believe it or not, if we go out and meet with somebody and we feel like they have a toxic environment or it's not a good place to place a candidate that we're sure. working with, we just simply won't engage with them. Right. You know, we tell them we're not the right, right source because the last thing we want to do is put somebody in an environment that we know is not good. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Absolutely. No, I think yeah. that's that, that's fantastic. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a... A negative work environment is a tough one to get over, especially, you know, when you wake up every day and you're like, gosh... All right, let's go do this again. I mean, that's tough. That takes a toll on you, right? Especially to your point about how much time we spend at work. And I can speak from experience. I mentioned I was in retail management for 30 years. And some people get caught up in this is all I've ever done. Mm -hmm. This is all I know how to do. You know, I won't be good at anything else. And that was me. You know, and I had to get to the point where 
I was miserable enough and didn't want to do what I was doing anymore mm-hmm. that I was kind of forced to go out there and figure it out. And now that I've been out of it, and I had a lot of good years in it, don't get sure. me wrong, but I wish I would have made a change 10 years earlier. Sure. You know, so for the listeners, I would tell you, don't make that mistake. Right. If you really think you're that miserable, right. you know, talk to people, figure out what it is you want to do and, and go make that change. Right. Life's too short, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No. So. Well, that's, I think on that, yeah. Give it a chance to write itself. Tell someone about your issues. See if a superior will fix it. Exactly. If not, talk to someone like Steve about finding a new job. There you go. Love to talk to you. Awesome. Well, thanks, Steve. Yep, you're welcome. You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to make light.